0: We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: Welcome to Women on the Line. A national feminist current affairs program produced by women and gender non-conforming people at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne, on Wurundjeri Country of the Kulin Nations, and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Iris Lee. Negative press about trans and gender diverse people has dominated much of the public debate this year, particularly in the mainstream media. Recently, there was a small win for trans and gender-diverse people in Victoria, with a minor reform meaning many more have access to changing their birth certificates. This week, we have a wide-ranging conversation on gender self-determination with the Moa Leo a proud Samoan papafine trans woman of colour. She is an international speaker, performing artist, writer, activist, and storyteller who infuses the intersectionality of gender, culture, and life experiences in her performance works and talks. You recently, um, chat with I at an Archer magazine I was published recently. Yeah. Um, I definitely recommend listeners check that out. And you talked about how your Samoan culture and fafafine identity meant you never had to come out. Did you want to talk about that a bit?
0: Yeah. I, I humorously say, you know, like they, I get asked various times or oh, explain your coming out and humorously I say, I never really had a coming out, uh, I kind of see coming out as a, a Western concept. So for me, you know, being wha you, inv- you evolve, and growing up as, once upon a time, a young gay boy, I felt, being here in Australia, that I had to conform to Western constructs of, you have to have this kind of big thing or big say of, you know, um, you're coming out or when you decide to tell family and friends that what your sexuality is once upon a time for myself. But when I realised the way it's worked for me is I just come from a culture that's been very strong with fafafine. Uh They I should say tolerate fafafine, Fine, but quite quite uh, warmly embrace fafafine. Fine. So I've never really had to have a coming out and all those fears and worries many yonkers ago that I used to ha- have within myself because I would see, you know, my white my white Australian counterparts and the ordeals that they, that, that they would have to go through to try and explain themselves to family and friends. I always used to go with the thought of how would I explain it to my own Pacific family, my own Samoan family. But when I realised that, I've never really had to explain, I think it's it's been in the back of their minds, but it's just been a cultural thing where in Samoan culture and with many other Pacific Island cultures, we're not a culture that's good at cutting people off directly um, and we see everybody as family. So our connection to not just blood, but to our neighbours, to our friends is, um, Allows us to have a, a bit of validation within our own community, within our own spaces, and that's encouraging for Fafafine, especially especially, um, you know, with what I deal with in the in the Western world compared to what I deal with in the Pacific culture. I I don't I don't feel I need to explain myself. There is a culturally, traditionally, and both um, nowadays. Um, there's a, there's a space there's a place for fafafine in Samoan society. I only have to ex- find I'm challenged in explaining myself is when I is actually here in Australia. Um, I think that's the thing that I'm grateful for being Samoan and being from a Pacific culture is um, what you call it is this that you are who you are. And there are more important things to be concerned about than someone's how they identify gender-wise or sexuality-wise. Even though we get challenges from uh, the religious aspect, um, it's you know it's it's not such a major issue. And we find that there's more important things to be concerned at, about, such as climate change and just someone's well-being. Mm. So. Yeah. So in terms of
1: um, being a gender and self determining a gender, it sees white, Western, trans, like oppressive standards that are really significant barriers to you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, for me, it's been a lot more challenging here in Western. You know, we have the money, we have these. You know, we have a health system where we can go and do hormones and stuff like that. However, the, the struggles that I see for trans and gender diverse, both binary and non-binary, is major. It's still there. And I think for me, it's where I get leverage from my own culture is that, you know, when I look upon my own fafafina culture, it is is able to balance me out. I would feel totally lost without it. As a brown woman, a trans woman of colour here, uh, you know you have your white cis straight guy that sits at the top of the ladder, and then right at the bottom is the trans woman of colour, and I equate that to things like the deaths that are happening uh, in the US at the moment. But that, you know, when I look at you know the woman of colour deaths in the US, that's just a small portion of what you know goes around in the world. So you know, coming back to that point of it gives me leverage. It gives me a leverage and uh, kind of balances me out uh, in terms of identity-wise and ex- just being proud of who I am and not having to really care about what anybody else says. Women on the line. <laughs> oh, that
1: was women on the line. Women on
0: the line. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, you touched on um, some of the violence that, yeah, particularly black and brown trans women of colour experience. What do you make of this? The sort of. Um, what do you make of, like, the rise of this sort of visibility politics at the same time as all this violence still continuing?
0: It's it's a double-edged sword. It's just like we yearn for this, you know, some of us yearn for this visibility. So, you know, we can have some kind of normality to our lives. But it comes with a double-edged sword is the more visibility that we give ourselves, the more likely we allow ourselves to be open to being attacked um, and that's not just on social media, but just physically attacked in the present. So when I was referring to, you know, the deaths, you know, it's it's a genocide. I mean, like, just in the last 24, 48 hours, we've had another two deaths. You know, this is upon the 18 or 20 so-called deaths that have come to light in the US with trans women of colour. So... Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a big challenge, and you know, like I said, it's a double edged sword. You know, the more visibility that we want, or um, it also comes with the, the thing of we allow for ourselves also to get tat. My personal thought is that you know when we do need that visibility, to you know to kind of get some normality, you know, get people's you know, if not that, but just to kind of get some educational point. Perspective to these people who have no idea what we're all about, who are always on the attack and want to lash out sometimes with their Bible verses and whatnot. Um, that we that we do exist, and my take from it is that we're going to continue to exist. Um, I used to work for a, a, a clinic, and one of the things that came up was just you know one of the things that surprised me was the trans and gender diverse. Um, numbers were quite high and I just said this is just a dot like we've got 600 people on our books you know and that's just that's just a that's a dot in Melbourne so my take on it is trans and gender diverse people both binary and non-binary are going to continue to exist and cisgender people just gonna have to get their heads around it I take it like it's the You know, once upon a time, the new migrants that came to Australia, people feared that. It's like once upon a time, people feared feared the sexuality, you know, and that was a big thing back in the days. And now it seems to be in the last three to four, five years, the gender thing. And I just said, yeah, but we're not going anywhere. We're going, you know, my take is we're going to continue to exist. And I just think, you know, for our community of trans and gender diverse people, just keep pushing. Just keep pushing forward. I just said, I said, no, you have every right to exist, you know, you know, and our binary people. And I just said, you know, you know, people having issues around you know, the pronoun stuff and the binary stuff. And I just said from a cultural perspective, third genders have always existed. Non-binary mm. genders have always existed. And they're going to exist. Western Western culture just has to get their head around. It's not just black and white. It's not just female and male. There are those that exist in between. Um, and so those, you know, those are so important. Mm.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um Following on some of the things you've talked about, what sort of context do you feel most free in all aspects of yourself?
0: Uh, For me, it's talking about, you know, some of the life experiences that I've gone through as a trans woman. Um, Having, you know, when I look at trans and gender diverse communities, uh, the three ones that stand out most are employment, Health and housing. So, those three things have per- personally affected me. Uh, having been unemployed for a long period of time and having to, you know, look upon sex work, which I never thought in my wildest dreams that I do. But I just said it got to a point where I needed to pay rent and I need to put bread and butter on my table. Um, you know, and people goes, "Well, why couldn't you just get a normal job?" And I just said, "I tried that. I tried that for seven months." Um, you know, and even going into that line of work is can be quite challenging. But I just said, what do you do when you know you've gone for so many, and you all you want just want to do is survive? You know, uh, when I look at um, housing, you know, being having been, um, what you call it, homeless twice. And it wasn't, it wasn't the misuse of, you know, my personal funds and stuff. I just got to a point where I couldn't, you know, had gone for so many jobs and just having fallen sick. And so I wasn't entitled to Centrelink. And so I just had to make ends meet. So you have to do what you have to do. And that feeling of, you know, I've always been independent. So not having... Not having the finances to even put food on your table, let alone, you know, have a roof over your head. And then that also comes into um, connection with um, health, not having money for health expenses or being able to visit the doctor. You know, so those three things, I think, for, not just for trans and gender diverse community, but also just for anybody in general, um, that, that would affect somebody's well-being. But for me, it was just having to, you know, I'm quite a resilient person having gone through some of the personal uh, situations that I've gone through. So I've had to just learn to rise above it all knowing that I sit at the bottom of the ladder. However, so it's just having to connect. You know, I personally don't know how I did it, but I've just, I've had to survive. You put on your survival instincts. And I think a lot of trans and gender diverse people do that because we get shitted on 24-7. You know, a lot of the times people don't give us the benefit of the doubt. You know, they want us to fit a certain construct. You know, if you're going to be trans, you need to look you know you need to look 100% like a female or a male there's no looking like in between or you know you can't you can't be out of that box and so f- you know for some of us who don't fit that you know it it allows for people to you know not indirectly discriminate but you feel it when you go for certain things i felt it when you know i went for housing one time and you know, the person was trying to be really discreet to me, and she said to me, Are you going to dress 24 7 as, as a woman while you stay in our thing? You know, I just think to myself, I said to herself, I actually said to her, Well, are you going to dress 24 7 as a woman when you're working for your job? Because I just, I was, I was insulted. But, you know, just to ask that, those kind of questions. You know, and I just said, I really don't, I really don't need it. But stuff like that. And we've, you know, as a community, as a transgender diverse community, we're always finding ways to navigate safe spaces, especially. Um, but yeah, it's just having to rise through those experiences, having to deal with um, doing sex work and then all... The, the, mental, the mental stuff that you have to deal with, with transitioning, housing, employment, um, it does get tiring, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, you just have to find a way to soldier on.
1: Across these stolen lands now called Australia, you've been listening to Women on the Line, highlighting a range of gender non-conforming and women voices, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. We're hearing from Amal Lutalu, a proud Samoan Fafafine writer, activist, and storyteller. And like touching what you were saying about healthcare, housing, unemployment, and some of the things you were talking about earlier in terms of systemic racism. Do you find these things aren't really talked enough about?
0: Yeah, people tend to shove it under the carpet, or they want to they want to you know um i find they polite, try to politely you know pet certain people or people that are louder in the community but i said yeah but you need to think about the quiet ones you need to think about the ones that don't speak up um and those would be my concern because i said those are usually the voices that are that are lost in translation in the conversation and um you know i do i do feel a lot, you know, my heart goes out especially to non-binary because what I see here is they cop a lot of flack, you know, and I just, you know, it's just trying to really um, encourage that language of, you know, there is more to male and female. There's more to trans male or trans female, you know, just getting that language and encouraging that language and, you know, social service um spaces, you know, not just with our LGBTI workers, yeah. but you know, the, the cisgender workers. Mm. Um,
1: where do you draw strength from in terms of history and people you look up to?
0: Oh, I a lot you know, a lot of um for me personally, my mom uh who's will be her tenth anniversary that she's passed away. A quiet but funny woman. Um a, some of the Fafa Fina advocates that are kicking up big things overseas. Um and just when I am able to go back to Samoa, we have a community of Fafafina there that are just you don't even ask questions. They're there doing their thing and people are embracing embrace So, you know, we uh, our Prime Minister is the patron of the Fafafine Association. That's like putting Scott Moe and, you know, Scott Morrison in charge of a trans association here, which we know is not going to happen. Mm. Um, And I also draw strength from the trans women of colour advocates in America who are kicking up a big fuss like Janet Mark, uh, Raquel Willis, um, who else is there? Uh, Angelica Ross, who I've had the fortunate of meeting when I was in New York earlier this year. And the reason why I say that is, is because, you know, they're a lot more visible. And so their similarities and the fact that they're people of colour, uh, there's nothing here that I can have a look at, you know, that I can kind of go, oh, you know, I kind of, so I look upon people like that and just the trans woman of color just period just generally that are doing some great stuff that i've befriended on facebook um yeah it's just amazing and i've just been very fortunate to connect with some that are involved the trans visibility march in washington dc women on the line just thinking about things that
1: bring you Joy and I know you're a big dancer and performer. Is that one of the things?
0: Yeah. Um, it's being a, a like it's being using that platform to tell stories. So that can be a good story or a bad story using the intersectionality of both gender and culture, and my life experiences. So, if I can be open, you know, um, you know, when I talk about bad experiences, it's talking about you know, cupping some of the abuse that I have copped in the past and being able to utilise it, you know, or tell a story from that. So um, it it allows me to um, process things in a way that is, that I'm able to be open about it, um, that I'm able to express it through movement if I'm not able to express it through words, then I'm actually able to express it through movement, and hopefully open the conversation and get people thinking. Oh wow, we never knew. And I said, "Yeah, but I'm only one person in the trans and gender diverse community who's coped abuse. There's many more. There's a whole. There's a whole history of trans and gender diverse people that have coped so much abuse. It's not even funny. So to be able." you know i'm grateful for and humbled by the platform given however so i also want to highlight that you know mine is just in, mine is just one of many stories and there's so many other stories and it's hopefully to to open people's eyes and when they have the conversation with me is able to educate them on stuff like i don't necessarily want them to agree because you know people are going to come at it from a different perspective what I want to do is open the conversation, you know, for them to, you know, be open to asking me questions, or why do you feel it came to that amount? I said it came to that because I said people were very closed-minded or just had a different thought in general. Um, I look at my, you know, I look at both my sexual and physical abuse as stepping stones, that... It's made me a lot more resilient, a lot more resilient person that, you know, I won't take the shit, but also to take care of, you know, my, my LGBTI siblings, you know, that I don't, you know, that in front of my eyes, it's not going to happen, honey. You know, I said, you're not going to touch them. You're not going to lay a finger on them. But it's encouraging that conversation Um, that, you know, people need to stop their rubbish that they throw at, you know, to stop that shit that they give to trans and gender diverse people or LGBTI people. You know, who cares if LGBTI people are in same-sex relationships and want to kiss and get married? That's their business. But it's just trying to, through my performances, trying to educate and trying to get people immersed in the conversation of, you know what can we do to to help this you know help this group of people out i said like i said before it's no good if you're going to be an ally you know just to you know come along and hold our hands you know personally what i'd like to see is um a lot more push and shove rather than sit back and go okay we see you we hear you and that's where it stops for some people and so to be able to express myself, even through some of the choice of music that I use, uh, there was one uh, piece of music that I used the other um, in one performance, and it was from Sinead O'Connor. And, um, you know, it was doing traditional Samoan movement through her song. And when I told the per- one of the pe- audience members, she was just fascinated. And I said, the reason why I did that was just to challenge people's thoughts. Don't just look at things one way. Look at the multidimensional things. You can look at it in a different perspective. And that's what I want people to look at when they look at trans and gender diverse people. We don't just come one particular way. We have many, many attributes or many different perspectives to us. you know. And so people shouldn't be so hooked on to, oh, you should look a certain way. Oh, you should, you know, if you're going to be a trans female, you should tick this box and look this certain way. Mm. You know, and my my way for that is, no, you can look any certain way you want. You can wear whatever you want to, you know. Um, Yeah, and so it's just getting people to step outside their box and also, you know, maybe not make them feel so comfortable, you know. Um. Yeah, so that's the take on my performance and it gives me joy as well. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was women
1: on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> Where do you see hope for the future?
0: My hope for the future for... You know, you know fingers crossed. I'm really hoping for a change in government And if so, if those changes in government come, that there are good changes for for the um, trans community, um, that people get their heads around who we are, what we are, um, you know, and that there are more, you know, social services for our community, especially to combat, you know, the issues that have poured up previously before about home, you know, about healthcare, care, you know, employment, um, you know. So, yeah, fingers crossed that we're looking to a better future for our communities, that this government changes the way they think or they change, period, that we have a new government that comes in. Um, and personally for myself, just to keep rocking on and doing what I'm doing. And yeah, hopefully, be able to have more fafafine come to the forefront, tell their stories, and more uh, LGBTI young people or people in general from Pacific diaspora come forward and tell their stories. And um, yeah, just you know, don't hold back. You know, come forward, question everything. Question everything that's brought before you. And, um, you know, don't wait for an invi- like I say, don't wait for an invitation to the table. Come and rearrange the table. <laughs> A special thanks to
1: Amal Lutalu for her time. You can hear more of this interview soon at Women on the Line at our podcast page at 3cr.org.au. Women on the Line is a national feminist current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women and gender non-conforming broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne on Kulin Nations Land and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on The Line is slideshow at Free University by Litigra. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded at www.3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. We'd love to hear your comments or thoughts about the program, so please send an email to women on the line at gmail.com or give us a call at 3CR on 03 8377. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Iris Lee. Tune in to learn on the line next week on your community radio station.